0: Hello there and welcome back to the Agostino Zynga Show with I your host Agostino Zynga and this is episode number 605 this is 605 of the Agostino Zynga Show I hope you're doing well wherever this podcast may find you it's the first podcast of the month actually which is quite wild to think that I've waited until six days into the month to record a podcast but I'm here nice and clear coming at you wherever you may be and it happens to also be sober October. It is sober October, one of my favorite parts of the year because I get to kind of calm down and chill out with my drug and alcohol, and you know, um, consumption, and basically get to be a little bit proper, be a little bit correct, be a little bit clean, and hopefully come out of it the other side a lot more stronger, a lot skinnier, and a way more healthier mindset. And I'm pumped, 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 pumped for this year sober October. My plan overall for what I'm doing this time. Is that I'm obviously adopting what the guys are doing on the Joe Rogan podcast, which is Tom Segura, Ari Shafir, and Burt Chryslers. They are obviously doing the challenge um, by doing it, you know, um, what they're doing the work out. So they, they're going to try and burn 500 calories per day and a workout every single day. And then. But the other thing they haven't done is give up something, which I'm going to give up. So the first thing to go is obviously Instagram usage. So I'm not going to be uploading or posting on my Instagram for the entirety of my Sober October. I've committed to checking Twitter once. At one um hour per day because i have to kind of check for the news i have to do on this podcast unfortunately but if i wanted if i wanted to my overall goal would be to completely avoid it but i need to have one source of place where i can kind of go and check out the news i need to kind of upload on here so that's obviously something i have to do and then i'm going to commit to doing an hour of reading a day and also do an hour of Duolingo a day and that's my kind of overall commitment I'm doing so I'm still doing the working out still doing the burning of 500 calories per day um I'm sticking to a diet which obviously is good too so I'm getting rid of all the junk food I'm also intermittent fasting which is kind of another thing I'll add on to it but that's essentially the things I'm trying to do 500 calories per day um working out once per day um What's that say? Um, sticking to my diet at the moment, which is basically not eating shitty food, intermittent fasting, which I'm doing at the moment, a 16.8 in terms of 16 hour fasting, 8 hour window of eating, and then the, no, oh, sorry, 18 hour window of fasting. Um, six hour window of eating and then the other thing is reading and of course the duolingo so those are the things i'm going to be running through so i'm really excited to kind of get that going for the next month or so and i'm hoping by the end of the month not actually hoping my intention for the end of the month is to make sure that i'm under at least under at least under 240 at least under 240, that's the obviously main goal, but if I can get down to lower than that, I'll be absolutely over the moon, but that'll be my kind of my least goal at the moment, because now I think I'm like 275, I weighed myself at the start of the month, I was like, god damn, I'm 275 pounds, I, I, I guess I don't, I, maybe I don't look it, at, or maybe I, in my head I don't think I look it, but shit man, um, my peak, peak, peak at the time where I was kind of really going for it was 200 no I got down to 187 that was my lowest I could. I, could, I got down to I managed but then I maintained £220, 200 pounds to 220 for a while but then obviously over the pandemic I just flipping ballooned up kind of got lazy and didn't really stick on my stings and just you know loads of Im- just basically, basically living a sedentary lifestyle mostly the reason why I ended up weighing that way I did because I think even before then I still think I was eating crap but I kind of offset the crap eating by you know at the time I was working in central London and I live not in central London and it took me let's say it took me an hour and a half to get to work on my bike so I'd be I'd be riding basically 13 miles maybe a marathon yeah it was a marathon per day I was riding back and forth to work on my pedal bike sometimes it'll break and it'll die but for the most part I was riding back and forth all the time um a marathon every single day I was working out here and there so even if I did indulge in some five guys or shake shack or I went and had some chicken wings it didn't really matter because I was legitimately sweating and perspirating so much every single day but when the pandemic happened and then suddenly we were all sedentary and the one reason you know and also I was going through a bit of a tough time not having a job and stuff like I wasn't in the greatest of space and kind of going out in terms of working out I didn't really push through it and then once I didn't push through and I started ordering Ubers and stuff twice in the week that's when I knew things were going to go bad Do you know what I mean when you start ordering Uber eats two times in the week you're like oh shit. it's not going to go good for me so I'm happy that I'm finally back on that and kind of getting that corrected and then hopefully by the end of the, no, my intention is i no, hope my intention is at the end of the month i'll be under 240 and i'll look absolutely amazing just imagine if i get under 200 in a month imagine losing 70 pounds in a month that's what really insane, but it is possible i know people have done crazy things maybe they've lost up to 40 but if i end up losing 70 pounds in a month and i go down to 200 that would be absolutely wild but you know stranger things have happened so let's see what one let's see world one um Apart from that, what has been happening in my world? Obviously, Man United stuff, I'm not going to talk about because it's depressing. I'm not going to talk about that at all. And I've obviously missed a bump to talk about it anyway. So I'm happy that that's over. And doing match reactions of Man United now, the Glazer ownership is absolutely excruciating. Seeing what's everything that's happening with the club, seeing what's happening with the players, these entitled morons, the way they've been turned out against Man City and just essentially gave them their asses. I'm not going to talk about that. I can't. I can't do it. The fact that, you know, Man City have basically got a generational striker playing up front for them at the moment in early harland who looks like he's been created in a lab and seems like he, he basically finds it harder to not score than to score and the crazy thing about harland at man city if you haven't watched him at bruce dortmund he does score amazing goals because like, the meme that moment on twitter is that he only scores tap but the scary thing that i thought when, if Man City didn't attain and were able to secure the signing of Erling Haaland I always said the scary thing about him is not that he scores those crazy you know 30 yard goals or bicycle kicks or flying headers no it's the fact that he's, he can score tap-ins the fact that he can score tap-ins like he's bread and butter is tap-ins back post running in front post getting in front of the defender like those are his bread and butter but he can also score bangers so playing for a team like Man City where they basically their style of play where they have these really cool triangles and passing patterns which essentially give the attackers an opportunity to kind of run into the box last minute and get the ball Run into the box at you know at the first instance that a, a, a player is on the wing they've got these little triggers all over the pitch where they know where to run into certain spaces because the ball is going to arrive at a space that they're going to be at and then they're going to be the slot in the net that's the scary part because he's going to score those tap all day long because Man City had created at least, at least three of those chances that go across the goal three times a match. So he's scoring all these goals now with tap Just imagine when he starts to dribble outside the box and bend one in with his left or his right foot, or bicycle kick and stuff. We're going to be, honestly, yeah. it's just all that's depressing. So I'm not going to talk about football. So let's just skip all that stuff. So um, I went out on a Friday last weekend actually I went to this night called Workhouse which is pretty decent I went after actually meeting some friends out in Dawson which I haven't been in ages went to Dawson for a um, friend of a friend's birthday party which was pretty decent not going to lie um, it was in the really cool um, new like taco type of bar thing Mexican inspired bar that's really amazing in terms of the layout because the front of it is kind of got this little foyer bit this little kind of you know whatever bit outsidey bit but it's also underneath it's like a strange thing combination Um, in terms of build especially on you know Kings and roads. it's a bit odd to have those kind of buildings but it's essentially got a a little entrance that you can walk into that's kind of you know, got a roof on it but it's outside so you, if you want you can just sit there and smoke and drink but then it's also got an inside with music and a bar and stuff and table so it's perfect little mix and they serve food too and the food's meant to be pretty banging so all that made it to be quite a good location to go and have a little bit of a birthday celebration and hang out so i was going to stay out with those guys they were going to go do some super softball i already had this plan already in mind and i wanted to go to workhouse present sweat with within your hands which i have up in the screen it was at like this new club called workhouse which is on brick lane now I remember seeing this featured a few places. I saw pictures of it, but I couldn't actually picture where it was at on Brick Lane, because Brick Lane's a long, you know, it's a long street, loads of nice, cool, little, you know, um, Indian restaurants and whatnot, vintage stores, all the usual stuff you associate with Brick Lane. But the clubs are pretty dead set in terms of where they are. In terms of, you know, next to Truman Brewery, there's a couple further down to the end next to Commercial Street that people don't go to. I think it's called a pair something. But I couldn't picture where this workhouse place is where it was meant to be. So I was walking up and down, couldn't figure it out. And then only when I went to the the bit that leads up. To to uh, Cafe One Thousand and One, there's a little gate there with a the security guard there. You know where they serve the burgers and stuff. I was like, "Hey, where's this Workhouse place?" He's like, "Oh, it's upstairs." So this whole time I was walking up and down. And even on the Google Maps, it shows that Workhouse is like further down the road, but it's not. It's actually a room. Upstairs, you know, at, on top of Cafe One Thousand One, it's essentially another room in Cafe One Thousand One. If you've ever been to Brick Lane, you'll know what I mean by Cafe One Thousand One. It's like one of the main little spots there. It's got like a restaurant, a little bar thing. There's a club there. People hang out. Blah blah blah. So I finally went up there. Went up there, and it was interesting to go up there because it was a gave me flashbacks of why I stopped promoting. Because when I went up there, I think it might have been like because I left the party quite late. So it might have been like 11.30, 12 or something I got there and it was empty, like empty, empty. And it got me flashbacks of like how my bum used to clench when I used to promote my own parties in Dawson and how excruciatingly tough it is, which is why I have so much sympathy and so much respect for people who are going out there and putting on nights because look, this was an R.A. pick night, right? It got all the good buzz that you need to get in terms of putting on nights. He had a pretty stellar DJ who I think is pretty well regarded and rated. He has a really cool long running series that Paloma called... Uh, powerhouse um he's also a really prominent um writer um you know runs his label he's got a blog that i used to read you know religiously for a few years because obviously you know me being obsessed with berlin and stuff and everything concerning club culture around there he writes some really cool articles about that some of them might to you know run for a google translate but still just a really solid dude that you'd think would have a lot of pull in terms of getting people to come out on a friday night and especially it being payday, yeah, you'd think people would be coming out like right? this. Is a, it was one of the rare weekends where payday fell on the weekend. So even if you got paid the day before or you got paid on the Friday, you definitely had money for the weekend. So you could afford to maybe go out and have a bit of fun and, you know, let your hair down. But it wasn't it wasn't the case. The place was absolutely empty when I arrived. And I think I might arrive there if I'm thinking correctly. It was 11:45, so I gave it time to kind of build up because the club, you know, the party was on from 10 to 4 a.m. And I still got there; and it was empty. So that shows to me that promoting is still as hard as it's ever been. So if you're a punter out there and you're unable to go to events, I honestly do think, as weird as it sounds, I know I've said the opposite in past, you know, podcasts. If you can't go to the event, just give the way, give the ticket away to somebody else. Don't even try and resell it. I do it all the time. There's a little um. This little WhatsApp group that we're in now, where there's like loads of, you know, London techno fans and stuff that, you know, if you want to go to a party, but you don't want to go on your own, you can kind of link up with people. And I'm sure there's other places too you can find on Telegram and on Discord and stuff, little communities, or just go on the techno subreddit or the house subreddit, whichever one you want to go on, and just give the ticket away to somebody. I'm sure somebody will like it, especially if it's sometimes I've, been, I've done it on Twitter too. I've just written the, the event, so somebody, somebody's searching for it, they can see it. So, hey, I've got a free ticket here for somebody you want to come, DM me and I'll send it to you. just give the ticket away because refunding it especially considering how tough it is to promote out there is a bit of a piss take. especially because some of these parties aren't making enough money to break even it's just difficult to get people out post pandemic things have changed really out there it's not the same i know it's still hard to get people out but it's Things have definitely changed culturally, I feel like, in terms of people deciding to leave their home to go and to go and play or to go and sort of dance at these sort of parties and clubs. Like things, people's habits and lifestyles are really changed. I don't think they'll go back to how they were before. I think if anything, I've I've always stressed this, but I think overall the club landscape, we've definitely lost the general punter. Like the regular guy that's just or regular girl that would go out and hang out and just kind of oh, I'm out on a Friday, let me just see what XOY was saying, let me see what Fabric is saying, let me see see That venue over to saying, Let me see for that general punter has gone, we've lost them. So, I think now the people that are going out are legit fans. So, that's a way smaller crowd, though. You need also gen pop people to also maybe have an interest in you for you to kind of you know sustain that for a long term. So, it's a bit shaky out there, and obviously, with the club's closing, blah blah blah. You know, the general stuff. So, anyway, I go there, it's a bit, it's a bit empty. And then the first thing Another thing I want to check Is all that I want to check is all I've said that I think I've changed my mind on Lineups and set list. If you don't see a set list There at the club Or they don't produce one Just enjoy your night I think going up and asking somebody hey what time is somebody on I felt kind of gross because I think when I did it I think I asked somebody behind the decks who was involved with the with the with the party who I shared some words with or whatever it may be words of encouragement or whichever that I could and I did feel a little bit gross walking away I'm not gonna lie I did feel like a little bit like a dickhead like why am I asking them what time Finn your chances coming on as if the whole party only rests on the value of one person playing obviously it does but it's a bit rude to say. Do you know what I mean? It's not like the, it's not the, um, it's not the polite thing to say, um, in that space. I think if someone doesn't produce a set list, sorry, it doesn't produce a DJ set list, whatever. And who's playing? What time? You don't see one online. So someone didn't snap on quickly, whatever. Maybe then let it go. Talking about pictures, um, weirdly enough, Workhouse has this thing. Where they tape your camera up when you go, so it's a another club that's trying to recreate this whole Berlin thing about not taking pictures. Personally, for me, I think it's a bit redundant in London. Overall, I think Fold do it really well in some places, other places do it well. Like some of the King parties that we have, like Crossbreed and Verbotum when they were when when they were here for a bit. Um, but overall I don't think it works in London our punters just don't get it um, if anything it makes people a little bit more anxious when on the dance floor the vibe kind of changes it's just strange we don't really vibe it at well we don't. We haven't really been educated in why that's beneficial why it matters why it's necessary we don't get it so it just doesn't work but weirdly enough I think it did work with this one I'm not going to lie especially considering how, less, how small the crowd was I think it kind of added to the fact that people were just ready to just dance and just let themselves go and not really be bothered about what was going on because there was hardly anyone one day in the first place. So that was good. But then it did start to fill up. So a couple of hours passed by and it just started to get a bit busier around 1 a.m. So that was pretty decent. And um Finn Johansson started ended up coming on, I think about one, if not one, half one or something around that kind of mark, and absolutely smashed it. Um again, I'm a fan of his um in general. Um it's weird because someone asked me actually what type of music that he's playing. I was actually quite stumped in terms of genres because you I would say new disco. Um, I would say disco, I'd say EBM, electronic body music. I don't know what else I would kind of um, link it to, right? But even just looking at some of the um, people featured right on his list of DJs or the the cloud, there's so many different kind of artists that kind of span across different spans in terms of who you're trying to touch. It's kind of hard to kind of pinpoint it, but obviously, Luckily, I recorded some clips in there um, so you can kind of see um, or you can kind of hear what the sound was like with Finn Johansson playing. This is obviously not Finn Johansson at the start. This is mostly at the beginning, um, but some of the DJs are playing that are warming up who are fairly good also. I have to kind of point that out. I'm not really sure who was what, who was who on the lineup and stuff, but this is the start of it and then I'll kind of scrub through so you can see the couple of other bits in the middle as well. Let's play this. <laughs> for a bit. And here. And here. I think that might have been me banging on something but yeah absolutely amazing and also to kind of to bring a little kind of quick point on this the bartenders there were super cool man i, I don't know if this is something that doesn't necessarily happen in those kind of places i'm kind of shocked because usually brick lane you know attendees and people that work in the area are a little bit sketchy if you know that area but the bartenders at that club were so cool um Um, So, one of them made me a really great, refreshing drink that I was, you know, happy to have because it was the last day of me drinking alcohol, especially with Sobo October coming up. And yeah, I had a blast, man. So, the staff that worked there were pretty cool. Security guards were also on on a good vibe, thing. So, everything was good about that place. I'm not going to lie. I was just disappointed, obviously, for people pointing it on that not a lot of people turned out for it. But talking about that, also, the one thing that really I think was interesting was that obviously I've been to Paloma's right so I've been to this legendary club in Berlin which is like on Coppa Um it's right as you come out there it's like next to the river it's kind of like an obsessed thing right it's really really cool and it's and I think it's one of the better clubs in Berlin because it kind of covers a, a wider range of music. It's not just the same what you hear everywhere, like techno, techno, techno. Same, like, same heads, right? You might not like same heads. It might be a bit too kitschy if you're a bit too out there, but at least they try to get people in that kind of cover a broad spectrum of art. It's not just the same dark techno, industrial sort of music. So that's why I love um, Paloma. And obviously they... Um, have a lot of house people there and obviously that that can you can kind of say that's my foundation in terms of music dance music education like house disco all that sort of stuff so I kind of lean to that even though I've, I'm obviously you know obsessed with techno also but the problem with people like Finn Johansson is that 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 rave that he has on that flipping um what's it called at um at Palomas right called Powerhouse is legitimately one of the best parties i've been to in a while like i've been twice as well and i want to catch it hopefully another time before the end of the year maybe ne- the beginning of next year and it legitimately is the best platform or the best place to kind of see him do his thing or to kind of see why he's such a well-regarded dj because usually you'll have somebody playing with him it's usually like two people um it's usually just him and somebody else Like so it's like a back-to-back type of affair and it's a great um, night Because usually he picks people that he feels like, you know, are like a DJ's DJ, something that kind of compliments him well. Someone he's just a fan of. It's never really that big, high ticket people. But sometimes, you know, a big, high ticket person who's having a bit of a pop, like a Cynthia, can come down, right, and play. And I've listened to the set. It's like a seven hour recording of, you know, of Flipping Powerhouse with, you know, Flipping Finn Johansson and Cynthia playing. And it's amazing, right? Just peak, elite level house music. And unfortunately, once you hear that sort of sound in that sort of club, on that sort of sound system, in that city, it's just the perfect representation of what he's trying to do. So when you hear it, it try to be replicated in a brick lane club that's a bit weird layout wise that's upstairs a really shitty bar it's a bit it doesn't really work the same but i do appreciate them at least trying to do it and make it happen right but it just wasn't it just didn't hit the same way and again it's not their fault it's just that when somebody's intrinsically tied to such an amazing place like they even got it underneath his name right he's night powerhouse paloma they've even got it and i'm sure the people around it probably did probably had the same, you know, earth-shattering realisation that I did when they went to see him play that, oh my God, it's the greatest I've ever seen in my life and obviously got, you know, him, got in touch with him in terms of playing there but it's just not the same so that's the only issue I think I have with this sort of mess. I think if he came into it as a general partner it's one thing but if he came into it as a fan of Finn Johansson it probably isn't the best platform to have seen him but still as somebody who's obsessed with the music obsessed with the scene in general just to hear him play out I didn't fucking care where it was it could be in a car park I would still have fun I'd still have a whale of a time I was sweating dancing my face off until what 4am or 5am or something And I end up coming back home, unfortunately I didn't take my Bike with me, so I ended up having to flipping Get an Uber back, but that was fine, you know Able to get some fresh air, walk a little bit down brick lane Um, so to make the flipping Uber ride home a bit cheaper It's a usual kind of hack, I'm sure most of you guys Do it too, you just kind of walk a bit further Out from the main city centre to kind of get uh, Discounted rates, and I was able to Kind of get back home pretty sharpish and all Altogether it worked out well, but I'm just Some cool people as well in the dance floor, so pick up Anybody I might have seen there, um that was also really enjoyable. But yeah, overall that was gonna what I spent my weekend doing because of course the next day was the start of Seb October. So that was what I kinda got up to if you were wondering. Now moving on. I want to talk about this Because this is something That's been on my mind It's something that I've heard um, A little clip of Russ On DJ Academic Show Kind of talking about This there has been this Constant weird conversation Going around In hip hop especially Regarding blackballing Right And for the most part You know You guys will know What blackballing is In terms of you know, um, establishments or corporations basically putting the kaput on people's careers, um, to the point where they're not able to sustain themselves, not able to be successful as they were prior. And I guess the baby's claim is that off the back of his new album that just came out called Baby on Baby, which I'm surprised he's kind of standing behind because to me it sounds rushed. And I'm and I'm and I'm somebody who's open minded. I'm not somebody that's kind of gonna sit here and say I'm a the baby fan, but I'm also open minded enough to kind of listen to someone's music and be able to discern why people like it and why some people wouldn't like it. So I'm you kinda know, whatever it may be. So I listen to Do Baby and Baby with an open ear and it just feels rushed. It feels like a mixtape, it feels like something that he put out in the hopes of just, you know, ticking off or crossing off another album on his um, list. Of albums you need to turn in for his label it didn't feel like a project he'd worked on with a lot of thought, or a lot of foresight there wasn't a real theme in it it's just a collection of his best quote unquote songs and he put them on an album and he called it baby and baby 2 to kind of link back to the other album baby and baby but it wasn't good in my opinion it just wasn't so to stand behind a blackballing thing off of that is weird and also i felt like he didn't really promote baby and baby 2 that long, there wasn't a big lead up to it. It wasn't like you know, usually when you're an artist and you're flipping putting an album, you have this big lead up, you go on radio shows, you do interviews, you do podcasts, you maybe do a live stream or two. But there's a rollout that you do when you're a new album, and you didn't do any of that for all for Baby and Baby. So, I don't really know why this whole blackballing thing has happened, but anyway the baby's been speaking out i guess and basically letting people know that he's not happy with his album sales and he doesn't care also which is the classic thing people do that are really sensitive right and um, especially for somebody who's got such a hard and kind of gangster reputation as flipping the baby does right somebody also you know we all know he doesn't take any shit but he's clearly still an artist deep down so if your numbers aren't as good as your previous numbers you're clearly going to feel away about it regardless of how you're going to try and maybe say it or how you're going to try and twist the words in public you're going to feel something for sure so anyway it continues this article from Complex that says Baby's recent album Baby and Baby garnered low sales um, than his previous project and Shark Rapper thinks it's because he's being blackballed the release of his project to more to projected to move 16,000 units in the first week in contrast to Baby's previous solo record 2002 blame it on the Baby debuted at number one on a billboard or 200 and moved 124,000 album equivalent units per billboard still the Baby was wasn't sweating and tepid progressions and gave himself a pat on the back so this is a screenshot from his um uh instagram story that says not bad for a blackboard baby and it's a picture of the baby selling he's saying you know being basically ironically and sarcastic he's saying you know he's happy he sold sixteen thousand a week um the baby's response comes shortly after academics argued the same thing and blamed apple music and ibra darden for blackpooling and a rapper and this is obviously um uh, watch this, right? This is obviously a, a tweet from DJ Academics that says as follows The baby's last project in 2020, blame on the baby, sold 124,000 first week. His new project, after being blackballed by Ebro, Apple Music is scheduled to do less than 20k. Now you understand what my Ebro convert DSPs control who is hot and who is not. Fall out of favor with them, you're done. And obviously, um. Ebro um, t- um, tweeted in response: "Apple Music is not the only platform based on his dummy logic. The baby should be doing well on the platform he works for. Is it the anyway? So you know, it's not the toys, whatever. So for me personally, I think this is a ridiculous conversation. Um, because number one, I never got the feeling because near yeah, the, the reason why I think the backbone conversation is, is is annoying. First of all, just to kind of piggyback off the back of this, is I think that it's there's a lot of importance being placed on DSPs, right?" And I'm somebody who kind of in general, I'm not really the biggest fan of gatekeepers, right? I, I think all that sort of stuff is really, really um, annoying and kind of stifles creativity and opportunity. And what the internet gave us is the ability to basically, you know, leapfrog the gatekeepers and just give the music or give the con or put the content out there for the fans. And if you do, if you're able to connect with people out there, they will find you in some way, shape, or form, and you'll be able to garner a fan base and be able to support yourself through your artwork. That's been the great thing about the event of the internet and social media, right? But this kind of heavy, heavy reliance on, on playlists and, and streaming platforms and stuff feels like a weird sigh up from the streaming platforms to asset to kind of um, restore or to cement their authority on the industry again because it was waning for a long time the fact that you can upload your own songs you know and submit them to places like Spotify and Apple in the first place and get an artist profile and stream. And basically if you wanted to on paper you could have every little thing that every artist has that you kind of idolise at your fingertips also right in terms of the tools that you use to kind of spread and push out their music but obviously it feels like also because the record labels have kind of now got in bed with some of these big streaming platforms by Investing in them or having partnerships to allow them to put their music on their streaming platforms in the first place, they are now through like backdoor, psyop ways trying to uh, reestablish their authority, dominance, and control by having this weird blackball conversation thing that's going to strike fear in the heart of artists coming up that they shouldn't fall foul of digital streaming platforms because they too could end up like the baby and so 124 one week and then of course drop off the face of the earth with the next plat- with the next album coming through. But the reason why I don't like this is because Kanye To touch on um, Russ's kind of comments on it, is that in general, what this does is that it admits, for the most part that this over-reliance on, this over-emphasis on numbers, sorry, first week sales, streams, and all this sort of nonsense that could easily be manipulated has essentially hurt the music industry and artists in general, because artists are now chasing these numbers, and uh, but they're not chasing or trying to cultivate a fan base, they're not trying to perfect their craft, they're not trying to improve their live shows, they're not trying to dig deep into their psyche or into their History and kind of pull out from a kind of deeper, more interesting place. It's all the same, regurgitated nonsense, microwaveable, disposable stuff that we don't care about. And clearly, the evidence is showing in the numbers because one minute you're hot, next minute you're not. But also. Overall, to touch on what point Russ said, a really good point that I think kind of stresses it and kind of makes it more penient to me and what I'm kind of going through and what I kind of want to strive for. He said the following on his um, Twitter that he kind of put out They He said this, no one is blackboard, right? This is a screenshot taken from his account. I just want to give my two cents on something in industry. No artist is blackboard. Unless they cut off your Wi-Fi, remove your social media accounts, and take your music off the streaming platforms, you are not Blackboard. If you're famous I can still tell your fans, hey, I'm putting out music, then you're not blackboard. Fans will listen to your music or they won't. It's that simple. Also, if you're a famous artist and you need playlists in your orders for you to your fans to listen to your music, how real are your fans? Why do they support you? Why don't they support you regardless? We're giving too much credit to power and power to DSPs and not in the power to to us the artists and the fans i know for me as long as i can tell my fans i'm putting out music i'm straight i'm not entitled to any playlist nor do i need them for my fans to listen to me that's why they're dot dot my fans and i definitely agree with him because i think in this event maybe you could say or in this circumstance maybe you can say both points are right maybe the dj academics point about overall there is too the, the, the dsps basically have too much power in terms of the things that they can kind of put in the front of us the front of the home page the things they can feature on certain playlists. there is that right and there's obviously some platforms they promote their own playlists ahead of other user-generated players or stuff that's kind of come from you know outside of the company that makes complete sense obviously because it's their thing i get it but overall this is music especially should always be about the artistry itself should always be about the, the artist connecting with the fans in some meaningful way and I feel like for whatever reason especially in hip-hop there's been this real um chase and first for numbers everyone's gonna chase the biggest bag the biggest first week sale it's all big it's all ownership it's all big grandiose things but at the end of the day there's less real talk about conversations around the artist. Like I've just seen a performance of Kodak Black on the BET Awards performing Super Gremlin. Great outfit on, the stage show looked you know, interesting to say the least, you know, not really my thing, but I get it. And the performance was absolutely trash. He had the vocal track playing in the background, so basically him screaming over an MP3 of the song that you can already listen to on on flipping any streaming platform. So what's the point of you standing on the stage and performing? So the performance was terrible because of that. It kind of took you away from the performance altogether, but you don't hear those people talking about how, Oh, I've been working on my live show. Here's me rehearsing. Here's me, you know, you know, trying to rework or trying to, you know, um, What's that word called? Trying to reverse engineer some of my previous tracks to try and get them to be instrumental to play in live shows, all this sort of stuff you don't really hear. It's all just chasing first week sales. Why are my streams not this? Why this? Why that? Why that? And I feel like in general, like I said, the art has suffered. Fans have suffered. Or maybe mostly the artists have suffered because they have no real understanding of who the actual fans are because they've been chasing virality and relevance. And the babies may be a big, big example of that. He wanted to be the biggest rapper of all. It kind of he kind of. Popped you in the pandemic. It felt like, for the most part, he was everywhere and everywhere at once. And then also the the kind of elephant in the room is also the fact that no one really wants to mention the guy is not the most likable person in the world, is he? Let's be honest. He's not very likable. And I think one thing that we know Russ to be at one point was unlikable in his career. And one thing I think he proved, and most people proving now, that especially with podcasters and people online like YouTubers and stuff if you have your own fan base, it's essentially impossible for you to get blackboard and cancelled. Impossible. You can always have a career because your fans are always going to rock with you. And we've seen it happen to countless YouTubers, countless influencers, countless content creators, especially during the pandemic when people were bored and were saying crazy shit. If you had actual fans, it didn't matter. Like Molly May said what she said about the 24 hour thing. It didn't change a dot because people loved that girl. So they didn't care that she said what she said and it came across into or whatever it may be, they loved it. Same goes for the King Kardashian work comments. You can't cancel people who have actual fans who watch, support, view, and buy what they do. And I feel like with the baby, what he's suffering from is that he never cultivated his fan base. And also, during the time that he was famous or during the time he was popping up, you know, really, really in a big level, he did loads of things that people didn't like. And I never understood that thing as well with Kim with the baby because he's obviously somebody that a lot of girls like. He obviously kind of, you know, leans into that as well he's not I, I don't know I, I kind of get the feeling like he should maybe have more he should probably be he should probably have a fan base that looks similar to like a Tyler Craters right then, then they a fucking Mick Mills really if you think about his music you think about his videos his personality and where he looks he should maybe have more Caucasian fans and more girls that he show in general but I don't think publicly feuding with your baby mother with whoever's right or wrong i don't care but just the the, the optics of it publicly feuding over her on instagram live calling her names and stuff belittling her all these things i don't think it enamors yourself to with like young girls it just doesn't and i don't even know what danny lays appeal is to young girls who knows she might be their fucking rihanna i have no idea but i don't think it helped so that coupled with the music not really improving that much or not really going to new interesting places which i don't think it's a bit of a misnomer you know you have to create new music to you know but keep evolving whatever but still him not being likable um he basically having no fans because he didn't really cultivate them he just kind of rode off for the back of having viral hits that kind of blew and not really people caring about his albums for the most part i think all of that kind of played into it personally for me i think so especially when it comes to the u.s side of things that definitely played a part maybe he'd be fine in europe and whatever but these artists don't really care about coming to europe or doing you know or coming to or settling in europe and becoming a european act they want to be A star where they're at, so that makes complete sense. But this whole blackballing conversation is absolutely bizarre, it really, really is. But then also, I was thinking where it could be applied the whole blackballing thing, and I think is a more interesting conversation to have is what happened with Tory Lanez and Megan Thee Stallion. Now, let's not get into who you believe shot who, did it happen or didn't happen? Let's not get into that. The issue I've always had with the Tory Lanez and Megan Thee Stallion thing is the. Um, the unfairness of it optically right into again not knowing anything that happened whatever it may be but essentially you've got a he said she said issue yes you can sit there and say believe all the victims whatever but at the core of it it is a he said she said right we don't know what happened in that car we have no idea we know they had a prior relationship we know they all went to that same place together they left together something occurred in between them leaving and in between them quote unquote getting home that you know around the shooting that basically led to all this drama we're having at the moment but we haven't got down to the truth yet and most of it's because of the pandemic put like a kabush on court cases and things get getting pushed back bloody blah 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 we're finally gonna have a resolution i think i think in november i think the update's meant to be i don't really too sure but regardless of it what i really kind of disliked at the time was everybody essentially running to support Megan but not even support in terms of she got shot most of the support in terms of the industry stuff like the awards and whatever it may be and the adulations and the the performances it just felt really disingenuous and fake because they didn't feel like it was coming from a real place they weren't really crediting her music they're just crediting the fact that this person might be a victim we want to uplift them we want to make them feel good about themselves and feel like they're kind of supported in this industry here here you go and I felt in my opinion that that was just A bad move overall because what if it transpires that what she said didn't happen? Or maybe that there's a slight, you know, changing of the narrative, whatever it may be, right? There's whatever it may be. It just didn't feel right. And even if it it didn't, it did happen, I would have just liked to have seen more fairness in terms of okay, they went through a crazy situation. We're trying to get to the bottom of it in the courts. Let's have them both sit out, sit this one out in terms of you know let's just both take a step back from being in the public and stuff and doing all these performances and going to the Grammys and winning them all the let's both take a step back, pause our career, you know do what we can do on the side, and then whenever the case is over, then we start popping back out and doing what we're doing or even the industry doing it. but the fact that one person got all the awards and then one person was told to basically sit on a bench for the whole time and not get any kind of mainstream love it just felt a little bit weird um in general and I think that is what you would call some version of blackballing even though Toy has his own fans they were still able to do shows and stuff that is a version of blackballing like in terms of like you know it didn't matter how good his albums were in the times of you know there being Grammys he was never going to win one he could submit it as much as you want they were never going to pick it never going to win it so that is a bad thing and of course if the fans listen to it and there's a biggest hit in the streets and stuff they wouldn't acknowledge it either so that's a bit that I kind of get annoyed about and I think is really really unfair and there's this clip here taken from DJ Academics' podcast where Tory Lanez kind of speaks about his hesitancy to talk about the topic at all and why he doesn't feel like you know he should because he essentially as it says in the quote is facing 24 years in prison next month so he doesn't really have the depression being a guy he doesn't have the luxury to you know kind of politic about it or you know throw subs about it online for the most part because if he does it's gonna hurt his case and i think he was doing at the start to be you know to be brutally honest he was being a little bit cheeky in the beginning you know certain things in the albums that were said and whatnot certain indirects here and there but it seems like for the most part ever since he got hit with that is it like a restraining order or something? By making us something along the lines, he's completely shut up. He's not really said a single word, let everybody say what they want to say, and he's going to have his day, he's day in court, and so we're going to see what the outcome is. But this is a this is a video clip taken from DJ uh podcast called uh, Off The Record, where they talk about it a little bit.
1: You know, the narrative can be against me, but it's the narrative that's against me. And it's me, like you're saying, it's me not defending myself. In a lot of instances, in a lot of situations, what a lot of people don't realize is one thing connects to another. And when you start talking about one thing, people then connect it to something else. And sometimes, most of the time, those things have no correlation to each other. And so because of that, it's like you avoid it in in, in its entirety because it's not the time and place. You know what I'm saying? And like that's just wisdom. That's not about me trying to be too cool or me being like, yo, I'm too cool to give y'all the answer or I'm so patient or I'm so resilient or I'm so da-da-da-da-da. No, guys, I am in an open case. And maybe I make this shit look really beautiful, but I'm facing 24 yeah, you don't, years. You don't seem too stressed. Man. Like, I'm facing 24 years. I make this shit look beautiful, don't I? But, uh, guys, I am actively facing 24 years next month. Wow.
0: And it's funny that he has to explain that sort of sort to of people in plain language, but that's essentially the, the, the place that he's at. And even if this is the thing, even if he is guilty, it's probably best, especially in a court of public opinion, to just keep your mouth closed even if you are guilty because you know how much the court of public opinion can actually influence legit court cases so if you actually are guilty of shooting somebody especially a woman and you're a black dude you kind of should keep your mouth quiet and if you're not guilty again keep your mouth shut but like I said I feel like that was real blackballing the fact that Megan was winning Grammys for stuff that she shouldn't have won Grammys for you know "Talented Girl don't get me wrong but the album that she won that like this like come on guys this, the awards in general were just like crazy what is going on here overcompensating for somebody that you feel like you know was victimized or was in a terrible situation but you know you don't need to do that or at least have some parity if she gets one he gets one too but that obviously wasn't going to happen so that's why I feel like real blackballing exists in that kind of capacity but again you know maybe I'm kind of talking out my ass when it comes to those sort of topics um anyway moving on We'll talk about this, and this is another topic to kind of go piggyback off the back of the whole, like, blackballing doesn't really exist sort of thing. This is a clip taken from the Joe Budden podcast, right, which, again, I think, you know... I've said my piece about Joe Biden podcast. I was an OG fan of the podcast and it legitimately broke my heart when they all broke up and essentially went their separate ways. I feel like if we're being honest, as much as I love New Orleans more and as much as I'm happy about their deal, I'm going to go see their live show in November here in London. I love everything they do and I prefer that podcast over the JBP. Let's be honest. Both podcasts have suffered greatly for the fallout. Maybe Joe's been able to bounce back better than we expected because he's a really unlikable, um, hard to root for person in the same way that Kanye is. Um, I think someone mentioned in the subreddit recently that um, they called um, Joe, uh, Joe Budden, and Joe West. So they said he could be Kanye's cousin because they're both the same. They're incredibly unlikable, but they've got stands that ride for them. So it basically you know, negates how unlikable they are and whatnot. But anyway, in general, I feel like they both kind of, you know, suffered podcasts because of the fallout. I feel like they both should be stronger together, but that's never going to happen because, you know, Joe, when he falls out of people, it rarely ever comes back, especially his actual friends, which is what made that whole breakup... crazy to see because you felt like okay Joe's only being a dickhead to people he doesn't really know even though he's awful you know it's not people that he knows not his actual friends they're industry friends but then when he did what he did to new Rory or more to Rory or more, so new Rory or more to Rory or more it was like oh I'm done with this guy so I've been down with there as a person for a long time I've kind of you know decided to hang up my hat listen to the podcast I listen to it all I check the sub here and there to see clips but I don't I haven't listened to a full episode of the show in y- sit, not years well ever since they broke up so maybe it's been a year already but regardless this is a good example of why it's important to cultivate your fan base because in any other platform on in any other walk of life, if Joe Budden said this, he'd be done for, right? If he was on a radio station, um, if he was working in a corporate environment, this is a sackable offense. Like, like honestly sackable offense. And this is not me being a cancel guy. This is just me saying, this is the importance of having your own fan base and why podcasters and YouTubers are winning so hard. Because once you have a fan base they essentially accept you for your ills because they listen to you for more than some people put out what 10 hours plus of free content every week it's very difficult to hide who you actually are underneath 10 you know hours of content it's very difficult you can do i'm sure but for the most part people would see the ugly sides of you don't notice little bits here and there right you can't hide everything so usually those fans are the ones that accept you for who you are and then, of course, you know, kind of reward them by giving them all free content that they can kind of enjoy. So I think a lot of JBP fans, myself included, we knew what he was really like the whole time. We just kind of went to suspend belief because we couldn't ever imagine him doing, you know, you know, kind of, you know, being, running afoul with his friends. We couldn't imagine that being the thing. We only could imagine him doing that to people he didn't know. But then also, <laughs> the truth of the matter is... The guy's a bit of a weirdo when it comes to girls, right? And this clip taken from his podcast where he basically says, the caption says here, Joe admits that he has faked putting on a condom during sex on a recent episode of his podcast. And this is obviously taken down. He, I think he edited it or he took it down. I think he was edited out the podcast. I think this is during the whole podcast. And ever since then... You know, obviously nothing was said publicly about it until he made a post recently where he was replying to a fan and he basically said he's going to be in, in He kind of insinuated or said in roundabout terms he's considering putting his whole podcast behind a paywall so he can avoid all these issues. So not even like apologising for this weird comment. I'm going to put it behind a paywall because you're, you know, you guys are like trying to make out like I'm a bad dude by doing this, which obviously he is. But let's play the clip of him saying sometimes he forgets to put, sometimes he pretends to put a condom on for girl asks him to put a condom on. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> what? I have no idea, no one. Joe, you, you do, though. Even I done walked in the corner and faked like I was putting a condom on before. <laughs> 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 be working. What? <laughs> no. what? No, no. Of course, Parks was the one that laughed the loudest, right? He's flipping Joe Budden cock in his mouth. Like, God damn, that guy is so annoying. <laughs> I wiser. What do you mean, what? <sighs> yes, you, I did that. You faked the put- thousand percent that was but that was my that was my you poor that, I'm asking. that was my poor no. execution of my of my plan after i mastered it which was to just bust through the lambskin let me go find i don't a, know if i ever use the lambskin let me go find the thinnest you, condom you, in the you, world you,
1: you mastered bust, doing that
0: huh <laughs> and bust through it yeah. you plan to bust yeah, it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not having that but not. <laughs> yo what Oh man, this guy. Yo. That's the importance of having actual fans. Because if you have actual fans that rock with you, they're willing to accept stuff like that. So when you when people do try to cancel you like the Shade Room does with Joe Budden, I think every time he says something risque, it doesn't actually make a difference. It doesn't do anything. Absolutely zero. That's the importance of having real fans. That is definitely the importance. But anyway. So about that. Moving on. Let's, um, oh yeah, let, let me talk about something I got. So, um, obviously, I was talking on this podcast recently about wanting to buy some Supreme products from the recent drop, and I had my eye on the Iraq collaboration that they had. And obviously, you know, most of you guys will know I'm a flipping big fan of iraq in general and what Kunle has done and obviously you know the other members r.i.p sace and whatnot just generals of graffiti crew and the things they put over the years it's probably one of my first introduction to flipping graffiti actually through streetwear is why i probably maybe ride for streetwear so hard because you know it's basically given me everything I have in life in terms of interest and personality and whatnot has kind of come through the lens of streetwear from skate videos to skateboarding to design to furniture design to flipping interior design to architecture to movies everything I've kind of got through the lens of streetwear for references one way or the other has kind of come through that it's been really cool to see business stuff like all of it's come through that yeah, so it's been quite cool so anyway I saw the IRAC stuff liked it wanted to get it but then I guess they were smart too because they kept seeding it to cool looking people online. I kept seeing people talking about it in comments on like, you know, the accounts like Supreme Drops and whatnot. And it felt like it was getting hyped. I was like, damn it, I didn't think I was being hyped. I didn't think Iraq were like the hyped graffiti crew of the scene or I didn't think people cared about it as much as I did. But obviously they did, which is probably why Supreme collaborated with them but um, the, the interest started to build up and I was like damn man and I saw a leak about the gloves not really being that you know not me, not many of them being made or not many of them being available on the first drop I was like oh, I'm only going to try once you know realistically I'm not going to be on my computer or phone all the time checking for drops and stuff I'm going to try when they drop the first release and then if I can't get them then I'm just going to be done with it but I really wanted to get the iRack and Mechanic gloves because obviously some of you know I bought a bike and I've been riding that quite often now and I have that kind of in my kind of daily cardio Stuff that I do, it's basically a fixie, and I've been wearing at the moment these kind of classic mechanic gloves. I had another pair, but I lost them. But I've been wearing these kind of classic black mechanic gloves with the sort of print on the outside, kind of similar to what Sting would have wore back in the day when you was. I'm not sure if he still wears them, but they basically come with like writing the mechanic on them, and usually you wear them black and white. But I just had the black and black ones. And obviously iraq uh, put their collaboration out and i really wanted them and i was lucky enough to get them on the day of release lucky enough um the website was being a bit buggy and whatnot but overall i was able to get on the website no i think i got all of my phone offered the on the flipping the the mobile version of the site which obviously worked far better than the desktop version for some reason i was able to cut them and get them in the post and now they've arrived so here they are the Iraq and Supreme Mechanic gloves. And the model is different because I actually thought they were based on this model that I have here, which is, I don't know what, what model it's actually because I've cut off the label, but I thought it was going to be based on that model, but it's not. It's a different type of model. And if anything, I'm a little bit disappointed on the quality because I I, didn't, I don't know why, but I assumed it would be a better print, but essentially it feels like a digital, is it a, yeah, so it, it feels like a digital print of some extent. I thought maybe the fabric would be, I don't know, I just had a different idea on what the fabric would look like, but it's a little bit more digital printed, I guess because it's made of neoprene or whatever this material is, but you've got this kind of, you know, iraq motif kind of splayed all over it with loads of kind of little supreme little pits here and there, but that's essentially what it is. So for $40 or for £40, they're a little bit, you know, a little bit expensive for what they are but for someone like myself that's going to be getting a lot of use out of these I'm going to be wearing these flipping every single day that I'm riding my bike so you know I'm clearly the target audience for something like this and I'm, and I'm also going to be doing a little DJ mix hopefully soon, no, hopefully on Friday. I'm going to be wearing these as well, zooming into them so you can be able to see the action as I flip in play and stuff. That's going to be a bit of good content to put out there wearing these sort of things too. So And I think, because uh, I still regret not getting the flipping Franklin Supreme Batting gloves from last season. The ones that came in like white, black and red. Like, oh, so good. And they're like 170 pounds or something now. So I'm happy that I've kind of got these. I really, really am. So these came in the post over the moon with them. Yeah, of course. The standard thing I got to do later on is or take out the tag and cut this. It's got this really long wash tag thing that I don't need to have on there. It's annoying every time you put it on. Nice little hang tag right there, but I would have liked a little bit more detail. Like you know, like little splatters of Supreme. Maybe two, maybe two labels here would be would have been nice. Maybe a little Supreme box logo here on the tablet It's just something. They just look like you know. what They look like they look like if mechanic had an ID system. Like imagine Mechanic had an ID little thing where you could basically get gloves and you could select your own colors and put prints on them or whatnot and then get them sent to you in six weeks. This is what it looked like. It looked like this. Jeremy, there's nothing really that different. I guess if you, this base model, if I was to go and buy this base model, I bet you it's it's the same. There's no difference in terms of the, usually Supreme do that though when they collaborate, they usually change little things. But maybe Supreme, this is Supreme saying, hey, this version, this base model of this glove is good. We're just going to add our brand into it, but the base version is the best glove you're going to get. But I would, I don't know, I would always prefer a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? But overall, not too bad. And then, of course, in the packet because I only just bought those, um, I got this in terms of sticker packs. So I got the Mark Gonzalez Supreme Team thing, got this weird um picture of some woman's bum. I'm not sure if that girl's underage or not, but it looks really sus. And then I've got a red box logo ticker as red box logo sticker in there also so i'll be able to stick on those on my things soon rather soon rather soon but yeah those are the gloves i copped happy i got them happy i got them now moving on let's talk about the news that everyone wants to talk about what's happening with kanye west or as people are calling him on the internet kunye It's wild to hear white people call Kanye a coon. And like, it's really interesting. Uh, A white person calling any black person a coon online is ridiculous. Or even just in general. It's just, we live in crazy times. But hey, we are where we are, innit? So Kanye had a fashion show a couple of the days ago for Yeezy Season 9. It was something that was announced kind of out of the blue. Um, I think ramblings were starting to stir once he just basically started attending all the fashion weeks. But he was doing that quite often last season also. He just kind of, you know, putting his face about and being about in the scene and industry a lot more, especially post Virgil Abloh's death, which I'll touch upon later, I actually got some things to talk about that as well. But in general, he was kind of around, and of course, and the news got leaked that he was going to show again the easy season at Paris Fashion Week, which is, you know, widely regarded as the top, the, press de resi- the pièce the résistance in terms of um, fashion weeks out there, because, you know, they have also, you know, women's fashion where obviously in Paris Fashion Week super important, but also the showrooms in and around Paris, mostly around men's stuff, mostly around streetwear and menswear and all that sort of good stuff. People go there because a lot of accounts turn up there in places that you want to be kind of situated and next to. Even a brand like Trapstar, which is, I would say, as far away removed from Paris Fashion Week as anything is out there. They had a, like a dinner sort of pop-up event type thing over there too. So clearly there's a lot of buzz around Paris in terms of getting your face there, being seen bloody blah, blah, blah. blah. Kanye does it Kanye knows it he did a thing and he presented the show now the show itself was pretty forgettable to be completely honest the clothes are what they are just you know it's the same things you've seen before from Kanye and Yeezy um just now he's basically adopting more of a black sort of a color palette loads of granites loads of uh grays and bronzes and whatever just variation of blacks and charcoal and whatever it may be but it's the same shapes um for me personally i think in this show he's saying there was no um zips everything was pull over a pull on type of thing but the real thing that really ticked people off immediately when he was doing the show for what ticked me off first of all was the kids choir thing there's like a sunday service kids choir thing and there northwest was in the choir singing looking cute and singing her voice out but overall when it comes to kids choir unless you girls sound like the temptations or the kids i don't want to hear it it sounds awful maybe because i spent too much time in the church i spent basically 18 years of my life in the church essentially indoctrinated having to go to church flipping three times a day sometimes like insane amounts sunday school all that stuff i had enough of it so the fact that he's now discovered christianity all of a sudden you know in his mid-40s i don't care i have no interest in it whatsoever so when i'm seeing kids you know bellowing their hearts out and trying to catch these notes i'm like count me out so i'm already out of it then it just continues keeps going on and on i was shit this is the soundtrack for the fucking show all right cool let's listen to these kids fucking destroy these songs right they're doing it they're doing the thing the the what you call it the choir leaders trying to his best to kind of get them in tune and make them not whatever that follow directions but then you know forget all that the thing that really set everyone off was the beginning when Kanye decides to come out and essentially rant and rave at his audience. They kind of, it's it's in this venue where it kind of looks like he's in the Colosseum, which was maybe done by purpose, not too sure, but the venue is like these spiral staircases as this open plan sort of space at the bottom floor where he's standing at and then everyone else was on these little uh, balcony foyer bits, I don't know what they're called, right? And they were kind of in a circle, so it kind of looked like a Roman Colosseum and he was there like, baying for blood, right? And he was shouting at people in the in the audience. I know these are fashion kids, variety people. I saw John Galliano, I saw Hamish Bowles, I saw Anna Wintour, I saw Edward Ennafall, like loads of savage people. Of course, Naomi Campbell walking in the show. Everyone's legit. He's shouting, they're bellowing them. But then the most important thing where he's shouting at them, he's wearing a t shirt, a long sleeve t shirt. Everyone kept saying it's a hoodie. It's not a hoodie. Long sleeve t shirt that had on the back of it "White Lives Matter" in big white font. And I think at the front of the shirt, it had a picture of John Pope II. It was this kind of weird like merch design t-shirt kind of thing with his face, you know, superimposed a couple of times, looking different directions and some candles and shit. And, you know, just Google John Pope II controversy and you'll see some interesting articles on him involving kids, involving charities and stuff. So I don't know if he was, if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's the shirt. And I don't know set people off, but when I saw it, my in initial reaction was to laugh, my initial reaction was to laugh and to also agree with the overall sentiment because what I thought when I first saw this because I've been paying attention with the news what's been happening with the Black Lives Matter organisation not the movement let's talk about that. the organisation was that it's been you know it's been heavily publicised and heavily kind of exposed that the people behind it or some people associated with Black Lives Matter organisation are crooks as are most people who work in these well established charities right which is why people always say when you go and give money to charities and stuff you should really look into where the money is going to what sort of actions are going to be taken once you give the money like really discern one two three stuff in terms of what's going to happen because for the most part it feels like from the looks of it how prevalent it is it's very easy to get away with swindling people's money um, especially well-intentioned people's money because they just want to do the right thing they want to give it to you they don't even want to ask any questions so it's the easiest kind of robbery especially when people are in pain so all these articles out there about Kanye Sorry about Black Lives Matter organization being crooks and people behind it, basically profiting on it for their own personal gain, buying mansions and stuff and all this sort of nonsense. So we know that competition exists. exist. So my first thing when I saw that was like, oh yeah, that's him essentially poking fun at this organization. That's my initial thing. It wasn't like he was like saying, white lives matter and being like a flipping white nationalist or whatever it may be because you know by definition he cannot i just thought that was a kind of a bigger conversation around hey you said black lives matter organization now white lives matter do you mean that kind of thing that's why i thought he was kind of going with it but obviously this man's um Kind of insistence, this kind of rejection of intellectualism, right? And I think cultural overall, there's this kind of war on intellectualism, there's a war on authority figures, on people that actually know what they're talking about. Everyone's kind of got a voice. I think this is what's kind of led to this because this is the same dude who says he's proud to say he doesn't read books. So it's not surprising that he'd put out a t shirt like this with no context, no explanation, no background, no nothing. Then get pissed off when people get pissed off about it. It's, it makes complete sense. And it? it's a typical Kanye thing to do, especially this version of Kanye. Put something out like this to get people annoyed and then get surprised when they're annoyed or get annoyed that they're annoyed. Like it just doesn't, you know, you can't get in sweetness. So of course, the reaction online when he put this out was ugh, people were going insane, right? They were not having it in the slightest. They weren't absolutely beat him up. Obviously, he's there wearing the ricardo tishi uh, designed burberry sandals which ironically enough these might be his legacy at flipping givenchy sorry at burberry ricardo tishi one of the most legendary well respected talented designers in the industry has absolutely you know fluffed it at burberry for whatever reason and again it's another topic for another podcast but i'm obvious super interested and intrigued about what actually happens to people like that or like, what's the cause of that it's happening to nicholas guest at louis vuitton it's happened to flipping Riccardo Tisci at burberry what happens to these really high level designers why is it suddenly they wake up and they just can't design good clothes anymore the stuff they put on the runway is just terrible was it that they had a better support system at their prior job like nicholas guest is a good example did you have better team at Balenciaga, and then suddenly he goes to Louis Vuitton, and it's different team, and he hasn't got the same round talent around him. Um, Ricardo Tisci, he just ran out of the the good juices, and he you know didn't was able, wasn't able to kind of recreate the magic that he had at Givenchy back in the day. What actually happens? I'd love to know. But anyway, regardless, he's wearing the legacy of Ricardo Tisci on his feet and doing his damn thing. Have a got a picture, and then of course you see this picture at the end as well that Candace um, Sowens decided to put up on her on her Twitter too, with them both wearing the White Lives Matter T-shirt, one in white, one in black with the with the flipping logo in the back. And then, what was I wanted to say? Where is it? Oh, of course, the reaction to it wasn't the greatest. So everyone kind of going, you know, the typical response that you think people would have to get it. Because, of course, no contest was given. Everyone was kind of shouting at each other. So that made complete sense. Um, and then continuing on. And then what actually kind of really, I think, set people off and made people really pissed off about the entire thing was Kanye then decided, because people were angry and pissed off, he was angry and pissed off. And one of the people that didn't like it at the time when they showed the show, was this lady here on the right? And her name is Gabriella Karifa Car- Johnson, who is the what is it? Global fashion director, I think, of Vogue overall. So, somebody is quite prominent in the industry. Somebody a lot of people have got a lot of time for. I think, if I'm not mistaken. I saw articles of her in the past that she's a very good stylist again I'm not really too familiar with the lady at all I don't really check for Vogue in that way but from what I can read online very well regarded very well rated has her own clout has her own name you know whatever whatever the deal is but Kanye clearly didn't like the fact that she has some bad things to say about his collection or about the, you know the, the, the t-shirts in general and then I think the first thing that she put out was this yeah the first thing the first thing she put out was this right my thoughts shared with the friend which was a selection of screenshots of her dming other friends uh, you know about the show that she was watching in real time she says the following what i feel like what what I feel is that he's not fully aware of the difference between approaching so appropriating BLM and subverting the Make America Great Again hat. Although I disagree with his thesis there, I understand his idea that the hat was a ready made and its value was intrinsic to context, signature of the artist. When worn by Trump, it's racist. When work when work by when worn by Kanye, it's about liberation. Um, he neglected to realize the importance of the object when he tried to extend the, that kind of subversion to BLM slogan. One subject, uh, one is object, one is ethos. To be fair, I think she's being overly charitable to him, even in this part. But anyway, this, this basically proves she's an actual nice person. It continues I know what he was trying to do. He was trying to illustrate the dystopian world in the future when the whiteness might become extinct, or at least we would be enough to endanger to demand a defense. And the other screenshot. Is what, uh, is what justifies mass incarceration murder and in our mass and indeed even the advent of slavery the idea that blackness must be snuffed out or will it so surely supersede whiteness in power and influence if given the chance and it's so hugely irresponsible to furnish the dangerous extremist with this kind of fictional narrative the added layer of him having kids from this, his done the school performing the soundtrack it really felt like the divide between the indoctrination and education has never been finer which I agree with I said already the fucking performance from the kids was terrible just sonically but obviously she made a far better and more succinct and intelligent point in that regard and then Gabriella continues to kind of you know put a real pin a real punto a real period on the end of that conversation she shared with a friend that she was sharing So as follows it's become clear that some viewers think my previous post containing my working evolving um, thoughts on Kanye's show was some sort of distorted justification for incredibly irresponsible and dangerous act of sending white lives matter t-shirts down the runway. Please understand, it wasn't. The t-shirts this man conceived, produced, and shared with the world are pure violence. This is no excuse. There is no art here. I'm sorry. I failed to make that clear. For I did. I uh, to make that clear. I thought I did. I do think if you ask Kanye he'd say that there was art and revolution and all of those things in that t-shirt there isn't and as well as um and as we all work through the trauma of this moment especially most of uh, of those of us who suffered in those rooms let's have some grace for one another now personally for me I'm a big believer that words are not violence maybe it's a maybe it's a dude thing um, maybe because you know essentially guys always have an underlying threat of violence when they are kind of going back and forth and arguing with each other you know at any point it could go left very quickly there is no kind of you know you're never going to see a continual Nicki Minaj and Cardi B type of beef with guys it doesn't get to that point eventually hands will be you know thrown um sometimes in America guns will be toted, sometimes here in the the UK or parts of Europe a knife will be pulled out it gets really extreme so when people tell me words of violence I don't agree because I know especially when it comes on the internet I can turn the nerve off I can leave social media I can whatever not decide to read your review but when it comes to actual violence those are things are you know i going to impact me physically and things that maybe in some cases I can't necessarily avoid but you know whatever this is another political conversation I don't want to get involved in but the post that really irated people and I thought myself was incredibly distasteful was this post that Kanye put out regarding when you obviously saw the comments so that, that lady made and it's as follows there's a picture of this Gabriella girl and I think this is the outfit she actually wore to a show and you know maybe you say the outfit's frumpy maybe you don't like the outfit itself it is a fair comment to make but him basically dismissing her worth because in his opinion he doesn't like what she wears and because essentially what he's trying to say without being because again you know Kanye like, likes to act like he's a big dog and he can say what he wants but he doesn't necessarily say what he wants because you know he's still scared to piss off certain people but what he actually wants to say is that she's a fat and ugly woman that's what he really wants to say right he doesn't find her attractive thinks she's fat and she can't dress so in those boxes with unticked with the x on them she, and obviously she's not richer than him and obviously that means she can't comment on what he has to say or anything at all because he, again this is this is kind of a uh, going away for the point but you didn't he- see him give the same amount of vim that he gave her that he cared to flip in fucking gg did you and i wonder why so let's continue but the, the caption says as follows Kanye West posts of a picture of her wearing an outfit and says, this is not a fashion person. You speak on Ye, I'm going to speak on you. ox Trevor Noah, right? Whatever that means. I think he thinks he dunked on Trevor Noah because Trevor Noah had a difference of opinion in terms of how he was going about things. Who knows? This is Kanye's world. So that obviously pissed people off. People weren't too happy about it um and then of course that led to a series of people kind of coming out and defending gabriella which i felt was absolutely incredible to see in the fashion industry because we don't see that often enough when people are kind of getting um bombarded and targeted. usually it's from the fucking brands and the platforms themselves not really from fans and other artists and other designers but this is an interesting point in time especially considering the relevancy and uh, you know the command of of, let's say the clout that he Kanye basically has amongst fashion brands and platforms and stuff because they know he generates clicks and whatnot so people are kind of you know hesitant to call him out because they don't want to risk not having him kind of show up and bump their numbers and all the soul good stuff because you know considering what he said about the fashion industry in general the fact that he's still able to have the likes of Anna Wintour and those likes turn out to show must mean he's held in some regard within the industry but then I thought one of the more interesting sort of uh, comments and feedback to Kanye was the comment from fucking Gigi Adid I thought that was absolutely stupendous I really did and it really kind of um exposed and cut deep what the overall issue I feel like in the scene is regarding all this sort of stuff right um and this is a post that Kanye put out that he deleted where it shows him um, receiving a text from the designer and obviously one of the models I was in a show called Moa Lola and she posted the following as a text message to him I also don't think you should insult that writer you could actually have a real conversation about the t-shirt and this is a looks like a new text. Maybe it's a new phone. But I find it quite telling that a lot of the texts that he posts, I guess maybe somebody crops out. But for the most part, they look like this is the first time these people have spoken to him, like via text message. So either he doesn't like people talking to him or people don't talk to him or he doesn't have actual real friends. But it's interesting that there's always like there's not a lot of text to kind of go through. It's just like the first text message ever sent to him. Anyway, in the comment section of that post, Gigi said the following. You wish you had the percentage of her intellect. You have no idea. Ha ha. If there's actually a point to any of your shit, she might be the only person that could save you. As if as if the honor of being invited to your show should keep someone from giving their opinion. You're a bully and you're a joke. Also, we've got that absolute redact on the bottom, that flipping produced by Zach Guy trying to clutch his off the back of Kanye, which has been embarrassing to say the least. But I thought that was a pretty decent call out overall and kind of exposed the real, and was, oh, that's the other response that Kanye did. I know, Kanye, I know, Anna hates those boots, which is awful. And then um the last thing I wanted to quickly touch upon that I thought was pretty interesting about this whole thing. Oh yeah, it was the Tremaine stuff. <clears throat> so off the back of all that stuff, happening with Gigi and Kanye, we've got this flipping crazy stuff, right? Happening with um Tremaine and Kanye West, which again, I said, exposes I feel like the overall nonsense of the fashion industry, personally for me. Because I've said for a lo- the longest time, and I was saying this, I've been saying this for a while. Ever since maybe, ever since maybe, um, uh, racism. Sorry, um, Savory was a choice. I was saying that from then. Especially from an outsider's point of view, especially being somebody that's a huge Kanye West fan, somebody that you legitimately used to run home to watch clips of him ranting, you know, at, on his shows and stuff, because I felt those cult, those kind of rants to be super inspirational. Um, somebody that was rooting for him in terms of him getting ownership and being able to produce the stuff that he wants to produce or level he wants to produce it at. I was one of those vocal people out there, kind of, you know, as other Kanye West fans, kind of defending him quote quote online. But when he started to heel turn and become this person he was, I quickly distance myself from him as a person just so you know i'm just gonna enjoy the stuff that he puts out i'll separate the art from the artist because i've kind of been lucky enough because of maybe my interest i have a lot of things that i'm interested in where there's a lot of questionable individuals a lot of questionable publications sponsors whatever it may be and i had to do that a lot The dance of separating the art from the artist because most of the stuff i listen to you know if you really dig deep and kind of do the homework and do the research do the science a lot of these people men or women are very questionable right morally ethically whatever it may be so i found it hard easy to do that but more people haven't but a lot of people haven't found it so easy to separate both if they don't like you as a person it's very hard for them to support you as they are and i know that for a fact. To be a lot of people stance in the scene like industry people i know that a lot of them are you know they're quite aligned politically they're quite aligned in terms of their worldview they're quite aligned in terms of their priorities in terms of their interests and goals they all kind of have the similar sort of thing they like to pretend they were different but generally they're the same and i knew for a fact these guys behind the scenes don't like what this guy's doing but they're not saying anything publicly. They're just remaining stum. They're going to all the flipping listing parties. They make maintaining their own that flipping easy seeding list. But they're not saying a jack shit. They're not saying anything. And it was really used to aggravate me. I used to say or mention it online, Twitter, like these guys are like throwing subs and whatnot, but not saying anything publicly. They don't want to ruin their link or connect with Kanye. Don't want to ruin their, their seeding list opportunity the easy. But they're letting him get away with all this bullshit, but then they want to call out the white man, the kind of the boogeyman that has see over there. But it's like, bruv, this guy's doing fucking worse privilege damage if you want to go down that route. Right, do you know what I mean? Because he's somebody that's actually of the culture. He's actually somebody that, you know, has played an instrumental role in these people's lives or whatnot. I don't think the head of YouTube or whatever is doing that much. Whatever. It don't matter. Let's move on from that one. But it was so cool, so refreshing to see somebody that's actually associated with Kanye, an actual close friend of his, and somebody that's been around them um, overall. Tremaine Emery, who's obviously the founder of Denim Tears, um, step up and say something about the situation because I feel like this has been, this has been something that a lot of people are wanted to say, but they've not had the guts or the balls to say it. Basically, not had the courage, or maybe it's because Kanye in general does do this thing where he purposely doesn't have people around him that disagree with him he doesn't like to explain himself too tough as you've seen doesn't like to articulate his points he just wants you to accept what he says like in a tyrannical way and that's it so maybe how he acts pushes people away but i do have the feeling that a lot of people around him have enabled him to the point where he is this person that he is now because i'm i'm gonna be controversial with this as well and say i don't necessarily think it's a good or bad thing i'm not i don't care about his people that deep it's not good or bad it's just at this point in time he's this person but i know these guys behind the scenes don't like this person but they pretend like they do because they want to be like down you know what i mean they want to make sure they're not basically putting another black man down in public which i understand the sentiment behind it but i just don't like the double standards you can't not not comment on stuff that he says or does that's detrimental but then you want to point at the boogeyman over there it's like no comment on the person right next to you do you know what i mean that guy is doing just as much damage if not more but anyway regardless tremaine did step up and say something so that's definitely something to be credited and noted for. before so obviously as you can see from tremaine's instagram profile he was obviously supporting um Gabriella anyway right in his own way and I thought the most telling part was this little sub that he threw out where he basically took a screenshot of this term which I had no idea existed called a Judas goat and it's as follows a Judas goat is a trained goat is, uh, is a trained goat used in general animal herding. The Judas goat is trained to associate the sheep or cattle, leading them to a specific destination. In stockyards, a Judas goat will lead sheep to slaughter while its, its own life is spared. Judas goats is also used to lead other animals to specific pens and onto trucks. They have fallen out of use in recent times, but can still be found in very smaller slaughterhouses in some parts of the world as well as con- conservation projects cattle herders may use a judas steer to serve as the same purpose as a judas goat the technique and term originated from the cattle drivers of the united states in the 1800s the term is a reference to judas Iscariot, an apostle of judas christ who betrayed Jesus in the bible so pretty self-explanatory so it's basically tremaine calling kanye a judas goat right he led us to this place but eventually he was always going to lead us to our downfall and of its tremaine's here supporting um gabriella here putting the quotation marks of beautiful in the caption obviously lending uh, a kind of nod to Virgil Abloh uh, you know which is pretty cool to see and then of course the final post which is the death knell the real blow that I think exposed the whole sham that is the flipping industry the culture the scene streetwear whatever it may be is this post here because we all knew this deep down I knew this deep down having analysed and seen certain things and keeping my own things and obviously being a fan and caring about this stuff way more than I actually should I had a feeling this stuff was obviously the case but someone pointing out that in plain black and white is pretty trippy. So it's just Tremaine's post where he basically um takes a screenshot of Kanye's post where that he deleted where he said the following Kanye said spank my hand with rulers I'll go sit in the principal's office can't we talk about more important things like how the late show was or Bernard I know killed my best friend everyone's got a rightful opinion right there's mine so Kanye's essentially saying Bernard I know was the reason why can't Virgil Abloh passed away. like is it even worth entertaining the idea no but that was his kind of interpretation of the events and whatnot, and how he feels and Tremaine laid it out pretty plainly said the following I got to draw a line at you using Virgil's death in your yay's the victim campaign in front of your sycophant peanut gallery uh, algorithm. And you know what's funny about this, just before I continue? I had a feeling something untoward happened between them because I was actually watching a lecture, I think, that Denim Tears did on... The Off-White channel, I think. No, it wasn't Off White Channel. I think it might be the Virgil Abloh YouTube channel. There's like a series of lectures there where he basically gets a lot of his friends to give lectures or to give like um what are they called? Mentoring kind of lectures or whatever um things on their in on their career trajectory, on their inspirations, on their brand, just to kind of lend support to I forgot the charity that Virgil Abloh supports behind it, but it's a pretty cool series. There's one with Heron Press there's one with um Tremaine uh, on there also. And he mentioned, he was basically going through his CV and saying the stuff that he's done jobs wise. It got very detailed in it, right? Shared a lot of kind of personal details I don't think he shared before in other interviews. And he specifically said in that interview or in that presentation, I was at Yeezy, I got fired from that. Like he said something like that in that kind of way. And if you know anything about seeing people, no one mentions how they got fired, why they got fired, if they got fired in places, you know, people always hush-hush, you just try and play the clout and politic game and fake it to make it game. But the fact that he made a point to say that he left or he got fired, I forgot which one, I think it was fired, I was that? Like, huh, that must explain a lot then because I don't really see him regularly with Kanye as much as he was in the past. He was like, he was like Kanye's, um, he was at Kanye's uh, ASAP Bari. Now that ASAP Bari has become like, you know, the, the new Tremaine, like in terms of being his kind of guy, right? And you haven't seen him with them together a lot. Um, he doesn't really post about Kanye stuff on his Instagram at all anymore. It's just all Virgil stuff, right? Which is weird. But I knew something was off. So this explains a lot of it. It continues the caption. Your best friend, Virgil negro please this time last year you said virgil's designs are a disgrace to the black community in front of all your employees at yeezy arcs let L- L- how you said lucette lucette holland i guess that person's name is i got all the receipts don't let me get into the things you said about virgil after his death yay tell people why you didn't get invited to virgil's actual funeral the one before the public one at the museum and why you weren't allowed to speak at the public funeral You knew Virgil had terminal cancer and you rode on him in group chats, at Yeezy, at interviews, on songs. You are so broken. Keep Virgil's name out of your mouth. Keep Gabriella's name out of your mouth. You're not a victim. You're just an insecure narcissist that's dying for validation from the fashion world. Take care. At least we'll have always have Uganda. I'm not sure if Uganda's a reference to him going there and running amok and giving free shoes to that dodgy president or prime minister i don't know how it works in uganda i'm not sure if that's the case but regardless that is a pretty brutal and telling read and also exposes quite a lot of things that i had a feeling were happening behind the scenes that no one wanted to talk about because again like i said Kanye seemed to have this weird grip on people where essentially he bought their silence with collaborations i don't know what's happening there but it just seemed odd but essentially all these guys are quite politically aligned. so to have somebody that is so it's so sort of like opposite what they think in terms of polit- politics and societal, it just didn't make any or societal issues. So it just didn't make any sense why they didn't say nothing publicly. But again, they all kind of get encouraged now, to start saying things openly. They're obviously the telling part in all of this, the really hard bit to take, especially if you're a Kanye US fan. And obviously if you're a fan of virtual like I am, clearly you have seen the stuff on my channel is the comments around Virgil Abloh's death and about their friendship or the lack of um, during the time he was alive and obviously um, during the time he was sick as well. That's really telling, really bloody telling. Um, The fact that he's making a point to say that this guy, Kanye, was disparaging Virgil to everybody that would basically lend him an ear. The same way that he tries to, you know, tell his life story or try and get everyone to swipe his problems Where he's on radio doing interviews he obviously does that in private too so anybody who's willing to listen to him rant about the industry and why he isn't where he needs to be and bloody blah, blah 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 would hear him disparage Virgil's name and what is clear to me at least I think most people would agree with this what is clear at least to me is that that whole Virgil getting the Louis Vuitton job damaged their relationship more than anyone will ever know more so on the side of Kanye, because I feel like for whatever reason, Virgil seemed to be the consummate professional. He had a very forgiving spirit overall. You know, him getting dunked on during that whole time with the whole $5 donation thing during the whole um, George Floyd RIP protests that were happening in the States, like so many negative things in the press. He seemed to be incredibly forgiving. He didn't hold grudges at all. That was just the nature of the game. He just kept it moving. So I would imagine most of it was mostly on Kanye's side. But it needs to be said that that whole him not getting the job or sorry Virgil getting a job before Kanye definitely ruined their relationship to the point where Kanye was still holding onto that grudge on Virgil's deathbed bruv on his deathbed he was holding that grudge too and that I think is the clearest example of him being a pretty disgusting human being pretty vile and the thing that annoys me about this whole thing for the most part is that what it also proves is that they all knew this all these friends and collaborators knew that he has how an awful guy he is. I think they said about people behind their back, but they didn't say a word. Not not not, not, not an inch. Nothing. Zero. They all pretend like they didn't hear it. They were minding their businesses up. But when it comes to other issues, societal issues, things in culture that, you know, that are a bit more far removed from them, they're the first to speak up and say something. And even now in the in the kind of residue of this beef, I think Tremaine's been the only vocal person from that whole scene of whole collective of people around him who's actually said something with his whole chest. There have been people who have left comments buried in someone else's page you have to kind of dig through or somebody posted their own story but somebody has actually posted something on their main feed and actually made their point known as he said Tremaine in the caption here he's drawing a line in the sand he's the only person to do it so far so he have to give the guy props only person to do it everyone else is kind of running scared and doing what they're doing and then of course Kanye is doing what Kanye does and essentially he's saying that I think he's saying in the in one of the posts I remember him reading something along the lines of he thinks that Bernard Arnault the CEO of the whatever of flipping LVMH is the person behind sending Tremaine to kind of attack him because Tremaine was the Supreme but the funny thing about it is that LVMH don't own Supreme it's VF Corp Corp, sorry, completely different company completely different venture capital whatever you want to call them right so he obviously confused them. Either he's confusing the two companies or Kanye is inadvertently leaking news that LVMH are going to be buying Supreme. I'm not there. Sure. But either way, it was a fucking bizarre thing to say because essentially he didn't address any of the points that Tremaine made in his post. Zero. The accusation that he was talking bad about Virgil you know during his time when he was at Louis Vuitton before he got the job when he got the job when he was sick when he was approaching death and even post-death he hasn't addressed any of those things but he basically said oh you know but I don't know sent you kind of thing and it, 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 it's war so they're gonna send my friends but the most trifling thing about the entire thing I think the most thing that really kind of pissed most people off was this post so all this stuff happens and then he decides to kind of get online and do this fake sort of grandiose version of gaslighting where he posts a picture of um, Gabriella uh, taken from the I think pins of fashion that basically highlights people in fashion who you know doing good work Um, I think she's one of the 500 people quite a cool little you know profile picture there in black and white and he takes that screenshot and says in the caption, Gab is my sister. So trying to fake affinity with somebody he doesn't know, because I guess that's what people call her. Gabby Gab, or I guess if you are one of her friends, is it's just it's just disgusting the disingenuousness is dripping from this post. But it continues. And it's gaslighting nature of it also because he's the one that started his beef. She shared her opinion on what she thinks on the shirt. It's a controversial shirt. You'll obviously want to cause controversy and conversation. She had her piece to say. It was pretty I think tame considering, you know, clearly politically and what how she looked at the world's different to incarnate. The fact that she said that was quite a tame response and he actually he reacted but and now he wants to have the apology and let everyone know that no no we're friends we're friends like oh god anyway this guy says the follows i'm not letting people go to bed thinking i didn't oh yeah that's a another point i got to bed this is on a monday this motherfucker disturbed our entire week with this shit and said absolutely nothing, really, nothing of any note. Um, anyway, I I'm not letting people go to bed thinking I didn't meet with Gabriella, uh, sorry, Gabrielle, sorry, at 5 p.m. today for two hours. Then went to dinner at at 30. Um, Anna had Baz Lerman film our meeting, and we are editing tonight. So there's a thing, there's an actual movie edit, documentary video thing that's coming out of this, which shows, you know, that and that flipping Anna Winter head is screwed on in terms of always be. Generating content, always be putting out content, but for us as fans and viewers, it's a little bit gross. But it continues. We took pics and I was instructed not to post them. I felt like she was being used. It felt like she was being used by Trevor Noah and other Black people to speak on my expression.
2: <laughs>
0: it's funny this guy, it's just funny, man. It's just funny. Like he, you're, he, he's allowed to say what he wants to say, but you're not allowed to say what he's saying is shit. So, huh? Anyway. She expressed, that her, she expressed that her company did not instruct her to speak on my t-shirt expression. We apologize to each other um, for the way that we made each other feel. We actually got along and have both experienced the fight for acceptance in a world that's not our own. She disagreed, I disagreed, we disagreed. At least we both love Freddie and fashion. I don't know if that's a dig. I don't know what that is. That doesn't feel like a compliment, but regardless, that's what he said. so basically they kissed the makeup and now they kissed the makeup he's basically saying you should leave me alone but if you just scroll up a few posts he's attacking his wife's family which is not not none of our business because you know that's your private business but still attacking his wife's family posting pictures you know sister-in-law and then the final post at the top another picture of the white lives matter t-shirt with a caption here's my latest response when people ask me why did i make the tea that says white lives matter they do so it's effectively him doubling down, tripling down on the whole disaster of an an affair. Now, my conclusion to this overall, as I said, I feel like overall, what people have to accept is that this is the Kanye that you're going to get until the end of time. He's just changed as a person. It's unfortunate if you don't rock with him now because, you know, politically and societally, um, issue-wise, you don't align with what he says and what he gets down with. That's obviously a shame. But this is the guy he's always wanted to become, I think, in general. Um, You know, especially when it comes to him talking about ownership and money and resources and all this stuff and, you know, not, not having someone tell him what to do. This is essentially where he was always going to end up. So this is it. And I feel like people have need to kind of get to grips with it. I know it's heartbreaking and it's sad and stuff because of this guy that you loved and champ or who's kind of championed the things you also championed for has basically fell out of touch or just changed as a person. It is what it is, and it's annoying. But that is essentially what the crux of this situation is. Now, my other problem with this whole thing, like I said previously, is I feel like a lot of his bad behaviors have been encouraged over the years or enabled by his friends. He doesn't have a lot of friends that call him out and stuff. Maybe it's by design. Maybe it's whatever else. But he's got so many yes men around him. That he's essentially never been told that he's been a dickhead by his actual friends his actual friends excuse his behavior the only people that say he are dickheads are people that don't really know him too well he's able to kind of write them off and now that he's a billionaire he can write you off completely because he feels like if you're not richard him you can't talk about him about anything which is an insane way to look at the world but hey that's how he looks at it i feel like all those things are crazy and the other thing i think that's really horrible is that quite clearly behind the scenes people knew how this guy was but they didn't want to say a thing because you know, the industry is the industry. And I feel like that's the horrible side of things that which basically says that if you design cool clothes, if you make cool product, if you can sell out certain items, if you can sell tickets, people will basically excuse and ignore, and will shut up about every other bad thing that you do, and until it gets really bad, like at this point, where it's you know it's getting consistent in terms of him trying to troll and outrage the public, people are getting bored and annoyed about it, blah 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 blah. blah. But he had to get to this point. Everything else before was okay. Like for me personally, I think I mentioned for the, for on the Twitter. I don't really see any difference. This is just me personally. Me, 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 me saying this, right? Personally, I don't see any difference between Um the flipping White Lives Matter t shirt and the outrage that's been causing with people, right? And Kanye's fucking insane, insane photo shoot and meeting with fucking Donald Trump when all that stuff was happening over there in the States at the time. I don't really see any difference between this and this. Personally. And none of those people that are talking now and have a lot to say about Kanye were as vocal as they are now about him. When he was sitting there saying Trump is like my dad, he was hugging a man. He was showing him renders of a space of a airplane that doesn't exist that someone else made online and said, this could be the future, like crazy shit. This to me was worse. Personally, at the time that it happened, was definitely worse, far worse. But no one said a, a word because they went to go to listen listening party, they want to be on that easy seat and listen. Again, like I said, that really shows up the industry overall for being, you know, lacking in principles, lacking in morals, lacking in backbone, um and just having absolutely zero balls and courage, anything, because they all kind of are, you know, what, what's the thing called? They all, I won't say dictate, they all kind of ran by who pays their bills. But who belinds with them brown wise and all that stuff. That's all there is. There's nothing else that comes to the back of it. And I think that is definitely <laughs> looking in the post there. My MAG hat is he even got it signed by Don Job. This guy is a fucking le and he's a fucking legend in all the wrong words and all the wrong ways. But the funny thing about it I also remember didn't he say once that he didn't actually throw them away. Like they're there in his house. He just, he's got them all redesigned in a certain shape that he was always proud of. And he just took them off because, you know, he got advised not to wear them because of violence and shit. But he's got them in his house and people chat shit, he's going to pull them out again. So I expect in the next couple of days, if he keeps getting backlash and he feels like black people don't like him, he's going to double down on it and get some more hats out and stuff. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. But either way, a pretty terrible situation all around for everyone that's a fan of his. It's a bit, you know, again you know, like I said, if you're a fan, it's a bit sad to see. But like I said, you just have to accept that this is the guy he is, man. He's changed. He's a different person. He's not the guy that you once loved. That guy is dead. RIP that Kanye. This is a different Kanye. And if you want to be a fan of his, you have to accept this part of his personality. Or if you can, you have to do the whole separate the art from the artist. But to think that he's going to have a come to Jesus moment, he's going to change his mind, not going to happen. You know, like I said before, previously, you couldn't tell Kanye anything when he was coming up. He was pretty headstrong, uh, pretty determined, pretty confident in his own ability, hubris, delusions of grandeur, whatever you want to call it, but it worked out for him if you couldn't tell him anything when he had nothing right in his mother's bedroom making beats imagine now billionaire legit billionaire popping brand all the stuff that he's doing like he's not gonna listen to you if he didn't listen to then now he's definitely not gonna listen to so this come to jesus moment awakening thing not happening in the slightest i'd never see happening so if you accept him for what he is or what people should be doing in culture if you really dislike what he does just ignore the guy but again people find it impossible to do that incapable of you see a lot with the Kardashians people much people say they hear about them they fucking dictate a lot of flipping column inches to what they have to say so clearly that doesn't happen in culture overall but you know that's just the nature of the game innit? that's just the nature of the game what's gonna talk about here let me move on from that one I think I've spoken about all that I can speak about I'll just move on to this one this is cool this is cool not really cool to talk about but hey let's go in this one let's go here so i was i think speak, who was I speaking I I was a speaker to i've got a speaker to was speaking to somebody about it actually was like it's really annoying how many instances they are reports or stories of people suffering something untoward within a dance music scene right whether it's you know something pertaining to an assault pertaining to rape pertaining to whatever else it may be there's always these weird horrible stories that you hear coming out that really kind of break your heart and even when it gets really sad and really you know flipping horrible the ones where it involves like kids taking drugs for the first time in passing or somewhere like just r- horrible things are spiking things have been happening all over places and i remember saying once naively right in really naive you know open eye doughy eye kind of way Why don't, why can't we create our version of a utopia in nightclubs? Nightclubs are really a, I've always thought like a safe haven for the freaks and the weirdos, right? If that or people that live an alternative lifestyle, if that's the case, and it's only us that are in there, why can't we police each other to the point where we don't need outside resources, we don't need the outside people? We can police ourselves a way where we create this temporary um utopia where you can kind of escape to. Where if you have all the hellish stuff going on in your everyday life, your parents or your family or your culture, or religion not accepting who you are and what your beliefs are and what you stand for, you can at least go there to this place that is a kind of created and imagined in utopia and let yourself free because there's no one taking pictures no one recording shit and trying to catch you out on certain stuff there's people that represent what you are lifestyle wise what you represent in terms of how you see yourself whatever it may be sexuality race color creed who cares you go to this utopia and you just unwind you unplug from real life and you have some respite you have some relaxation you meet other people in the community that are just like you that's the naive idea i had about nightlife then i remembered something my parents told me a while back when I kept going out loads nothing good happens after (laughs) 9pm and unfortunately that's the reality of the world you might want the world to be one way but I've always said you always have to operate within the world as is not as the way you want it to be because I think sometimes that's where the kind of you get that real weird uh, reality distortion thing happening where your brain just breaks because the idea you had of your world and you go outside the world's different it can kind of shatter everything about you and your perception of reality Um, And I guess that's the problem that we have at hand is that fundamentally with it being nightlife culture, with it being dance music culture involving clubs and that CD underground, you're going to attract some CD individuals who have some bad intentions and want to take advantage of people who are open eyed kind-hearted and just want to get in the scene and have a good time and whatnot or whatever or whatever else they want to do and i think this is a good instances and a good reflection and a good representation or example of it so this is a story that broke at the beginning of the week regarding um asqueef and an artist on his label who's accusing him basically of assault and being a creep and it says as follows And I guess the person's account now has been private or something. I tried to go, I tried to find it, but I couldn't. So I guess either they've been private or I've been blocked, but I think they've been private. I'm pretty sure. But it says as follows I'm coming on here to share my story of something that happened to me recently, as a word of warning to others and explanation for why I moved back from London to Glasgow. Many of those closest to me already know and have known for a while as I kept it to myself, but I don't want to be silenced anymore. I'm sick and tired of the music industry, music scene story being such an unsafe place, which is something that is really difficult to kind of wrap my head around, especially when you think of all these amazing, um, very specific niche club nights out at the moment. But it seems like however niche you get, however specific you get in terms of your appeal, the actual instances of untoward behavior or disgusting behavior actually ramp up. Think of places like, or people like establishments or groups like um, possession. good example, that party outfit out there in Paris, how many flipping things have come out from that group about people, you know, feeling like they haven't been paid or royalties owed, founders being chucked out, like really strange things happen off the back of that. So. It's it's just a weird it's just a weird thing you have to kind of Get your head around. It continues. After being placed on a lineup with a DJ and a label owner, Ask Keith, last year, we quickly became friends. And we convinced, and he convinced me, to move to London for my music career. I put a lot of trust in him as he was over a decade my senior and had a lot of experience in the industry, so I did. Looking back, there were red flags in the beginning of our friendship, such as him sending me money and buying me things. But I was excited at the prospect of such a step up in my career that I thought it was just I was just being silly. It continues. Uh, come on, load up. There it goes. Shortly, um, shortly after my move to London, he invited me out for drinks, where we began to act extremely inappropriately and coerced me into going back to his flat despite me repeatedly saying no. I felt pressured and feared of being standing alone in a new city, and Ubers were failing to show. In general, as much as I want to say you want to be living in a utopia there has to be there has to be a general level of hesitation skepticism and just caution when it comes to you especially if you're a young lady navigating in dance music scene i know this guy is meant to be cool and he's got a meme page that everyone loves and whatnot but just trusting somebody to this level that you don't really know it's just wild really really wild and I like maybe the music industry is different because there is that kind of collaborative effort that goes into, you know, being a musician and you need everyone, you need people to support. You can't do it on your own. But there's a lot of red flags about this interaction also that don't sit right with me, especially if this was my friend. Hey, I'm going to go meet this guy. Like, why are you going to London to meet this guy? It's about a music career. It's 2022. You don't need to move anywhere to have a music career. You can fucking be success in your own fucking bedroom if you want to. Um, anyway, it continues. Immediately after we got to his, I was sexually assaulted. I was grabbed and I asked forcefully to perform sexual acts whilst he exposed and touched himself. Not once at any concert, not once was any consent made. I did not know how to react except froze up um, from fear. If, unfortunately, this is not an isolated incident and his inappropriate and controlling behaviours continued through messages in person in weeks that followed. For some examples included controlling how I ran my Instagram page, invalidating my feelings and manipulating tactics. For this reason, I and others have left lobster ferriman uh, label, which he employed me to work at, as I cannot begin to heal otherwise. I have chosen, I have also chosen to move back to Glasgow, as dealing with the situation alone in London has proven to be too difficult." And I think there was something in the comment about grooming, also, that I think I've missed out on, right? I think it's not there. Is there a grooming? Uh, Yeah, there was an accusation of grooming in there, which set me off, because I don't necessarily think this is grooming, personally. I think this is a situation of somebody taking advantage of someone. But I also don't think it's a grooming situation in that regard. It seems a little bit excessive to use that kind of language, but I get it. But overall, terrible, right? Absolutely terrible. And again, it's quite heartbreaking because like I said before, imagine being... Somebody that's open-eyed, doughy-eyed, naive, like I was in terms of saying, oh, I want the nightlife scene to be a fucking utopia that we create, you know, to kind of give us some, you know, temporary respite from the horrors of everyday life. And then you get into it and you realize it's a reflection of everyday life there's no getting away from it like monsters exist everywhere even in your scene even in your scene that you think it's safe and cultivated like there's people spiking people in burghain that's meant to be one of the best clubs in the world with one of the strictest door policies ever and people get spiked in there allegedly you know it, there's some debate about it but in general people have instances where they feel like they're having a drink they are having fun, and one minute they pick up their same drink and all of a sudden they're dizzy they don't remember jack shit it happens all the time cool that's the case so clearly monsters exist absolutely everywhere they definitely do but i also have this feeling and you know this is not me kind of you know being the flipping champion of victims here but i have the feeling here this is my little hunch that this is not isolated incident this is something that has been whispered around the scene here and there and said little ways here and there So people are aware of this. I don't think this is a shock. This doesn't come as a shock to some people. And this is the issue that I have with it in general is that these things are never spoken about. These things are never highlighted. And if anything, it goes the opposite way. The people that actually get covered the most are the ones with maybe some questionable stuff in their flipping um, closet. But no one wants to mention it Because usually those people Are the ones that are like Setting the trends in the dance scene They have the biggest label They have the best party They have the best club Whatever it may be people don't want to say nothing And the ones that suffer Are the victims like this the silence that everyone has is what ends up having a victim at like this See Articles of this guy on fucking, you know, electronic beats looking cool, doing this thing, being promoted on the band camp page and whatnot, bloody blah, blah, blah. And like, oh, sit this guy's cool. Oh, he sick, he can boost my career. I'll oh, sit someone in the label, looks like me, blah, 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 blah. blah. But you don't know that behind the scenes, the guy is an absolute monster, allegedly. You have no idea. And I guess that's an issue that I have in general, that like there's not a lot of bravery out there. The bravery only comes to the victims, right? The bravery doesn't really come from the senior industry. They don't really protect people. They don't at all. They just leave you to the wolves and they give you this idea that all these things matter, like these labels and stuff. They don't at all. The fact that the fact that somehow she was convinced into thinking she needed to move to fucking London in 2020, wherever it was, 2021, 2022, to pursue a music career, especially as a DJ, a producer, it's just insane. You don't need to move anywhere. You can do it all from the comfort of your own home, wherever you are listening to the podcast right now or watching this. You can do it from wherever you are. You don't need anything. You just need a, a, a decent smartphone, a way to take pictures, um, and that's it. And an imagination. And you're off. You're done. You've done most of the work. You don't need anything. You don't need to move anywhere. Um, you can send files. So even if you need to go on a label, you can send them a file. You can, you can be an artist under a pseudonym. You can wear a mask and be a flipping, you know, globe trotting DJ and stuff and be doing what you need to be doing. So this idea, you need a person. It's just something that obviously this guy uses a manipulation tactic and obviously something also the scene has done inadvertently with their praise that they heap on people in this sort of way, knowing deep down or hearing the whispers that these people also might be a little bit heinous behind the scenes. It really is kind of sick, to be fair. And then the response when the guy was... You know, it's the kind of response you kind of expect to hear from people that get accused of what they get accused of. So let's kind of read through it. This is from Lobster Ferrum in the main account, right? My statement. I'm going to start by strongly refuting allegations of sexual assault that have been made against me this weekend. There has never been any consensual non-contact between myself and Shona. And initially, I completely refute allegations of grooming which I definitely when I saw I think I didn't see it on a podcom. I, I did think the grooming thing was a little bit because I think the definition of grooming you know again whatever it's still gross there's no even you know, fucking arguing over you know what shit is the stinkiest let's continue the allegation of grooming are a constructed and distorted narrative of what was reality a very different situation after meeting hmm the fact that he's holding on to it also makes me think this happened. The fact that he's holding on to the agreement, because I'm reading through it again, the fact that he's holding on to this um, misspeak that she did, because again, let's say that wasn't an error. He's holding on to it super hard. It's just a little questionable. And it continues. After meeting at a gig in Scotland last year, I gave a significant amount of time and energy to support Shona in the early stages of her DJ and music career, as I have done with many artists over the years. We additionally became good friends and would converse almost daily. I like how he says that Let's please comp- let's please compare your 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 boy DMs with producers DJs to your girl DMs. Let's please compare them. I bet they're not the same. <laughs> Uh, anyway, she often vocalized. Uh, let's continue. She often vocalized. Yeah, she vocalized to me and, and publicly on Instagram that she had little to no money, and I was sometimes offered to help pay for train tickets and once bought her a T-shirt. This isn't out of ordinary for me to donate or pay for things this way, especially when it's related to friends and those who are involved with or with my music. On the night of the alleged incident, we had been having drinks at a bar and we were both intoxicated and on alcohol, having a good time and being a bit over the top. There had been some mild flirting, rude chat and occasional friendly contact, but nothing excessive and what, and what I would describe or consider near the magnitude described here. Shona decided to stay to my flat and when we arrived, I checked up on my cut and then went to bed with nothing further occurring. So he's completely refuting the fact that he pulled out his little winker and was trying to get her to touch it or something. I think that's what he's basically refuting. In the months following uh, this, this we maintained a good relationship. I continued to mentor her, which she accepted in a one, a one day per week, freelance at Lobster, featured on Lobster Fairman, Rich Show, did a mix for Lobster Fairman, mix series, as well as accompanying me to a gig in Scotland and also joined me to a festival performances where we were met friends and other artists. This feels like him saying, I gave you all these things and now you're trying to bury me online because I tried to move to you or something. This feels like a weird thing, like you can say, listing all the stuff that you did for somebody Um, in response to them accusing yourself. Like he hasn't even tried to, you know, people want to, because I understand he probably thinks that his point of view, that he didn't do nothing wrong. But in these instances, you have to show a molecule of flipping compassion, right, of sincerity, of understanding or sensitivity and at least meet the people are where they're at. He hasn't met them at all where they're at. He's like, nah, I didn't do it, go fuck yourself. Crazy. Um, at the festival, we shared a glamping tent, and once again, there was no inappropriate contact. Until a few weeks ago, there had been, uh, there had not been a single conversation about anything regarding non-consensual activity. When Shona did first message me about this, it was strictly via text, and she refused to talk about the situation. My response was to listen and try my best to understand, and not to post my, not to push my version of events on someone who's not in a good place. I now realize that this was a naive decision to become to. Uh, Uh, Become Personally and Professionally involved With someone Who I see Clearly as being See this guy's Double speaking I don't like this This is a bit fishy I now realise That it was a naive decision To be To become Personally And professionally Linked with somebody Who I see was clearly Quite vulnerable So you didn't notice that before But you still were willing to Move to it and stuff Like it's just so weird Isn't it These 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 niggas in the dance music industry Are bizarre people It continues Um I can understand the to let it load up first. Bobity bobbity di bubbity bubbity bubble bop Come on, come on. My computer's a bit slow, please bear with me. It's not it gonna load or is it? Is it gonna not load? Come on load. I question assuming that I can understand the rush of judgment given the severity of these accusations. However, there's a huge difference between being inappropriate or over the top and those accusations of sexual assault directed towards me. The people who know me know that I am not that type of person, the slightest, and thank, and I thank those of you who have supported me privately, offering your support. <laughs> of course, privately. No one's going to come out and publicly support you. That's the thing that's awful about this. If you actually didn't do it, you want your public support. I don't want private support. Don't privately support me if I didn't do it. Like, Leave me the fuck alone. Let me, let me go through my dark moment myself, but I mean, you need public support because you're getting c- killed in the court, public opinion. Those who close, those, are clo- those, to those close to me who work with me, and those eyes on lobster. I'm sorry for the impact that these allegations may be having on you. Additional stress that is beginning uh, bringing to your lives. I intend to fight these with all my resources necessary to clear my name, and I'll be available to cooperate with any additional opru- official process to address the situation. So. The thing that I have an issue with when it comes to these sort of things in general, in general, for me personally, especially when it comes to accused, especially when the school sort of those kind of weird non-apology things from people, is that for the most part, this is going to affect these guys and people the worst, right? The artists on the label who have done nothing wrong. They're just trying to pursue their career. They're trying to do what they're trying to do. Um and then here is somebody, you know, who's the head of their label essentially doing some very questionable things, right? Uh, being accused of questionable things. I feel like in this whole instance, even if you are legitimately innocent, it does really benefit your artist to take a step back and away from these sort of things and say clearly, Hey, I'm pulling back and stepping back from this label. I have nothing to do with it for the foreseeable future until I kind of deal with these issues, you know, I have to do it personally privately um, with the authorities so that they can continue doing their career because I've seen a lot of people basically get out some of these artists online on Instagram and basically rip them in the comments and say whatever you said nothing. basically force them to make statements and stuff when some of these people I'd imagine not all of them but I think some of them are just maybe at the beginning of their career some of them are probably not making that much money at all and to basically put them in a position where they have to sacrifice their career for an issue that wasn't something that they caused in the slightest is really unfair and that really shows, in my opinion, bad leadership. Like, Askreef should have definitely said, hey, I'm not involved in this label now. Don't feel, like, uncomfortable not supporting them because of me. I'm going to deal with this stuff privately, but support the guys. It's nothing to do with this. That's how it should have been dealt with. But, of course, when it comes to these sort of things, or someone's being this insistent on self-preservation, it gives me icky feelings. Because it means that maybe there is an element of this story that is really true, which is maybe the most important part of it. Maybe, you know, maybe you can argue and say, oh, you know, she was showing interest too at the beginning, whatever it may be, whatever his argument is. But the crux of what this girl is saying is that she felt like the relationship between the both of them was inappropriate. And I think like it goes back to the whole thing of the dance music scene and just people working with other girls in general i think there just needs to be maybe a hard and fast rule especially in dance music especially when it comes to drinking and alcohol and and drugs and nightlife stuff and people letting their inhibitions down and whatnot there needs to be a hard and fast rule that if you've got a label if you had if you have a club night if you run a club um, whatever it may be you just have to make dating people that you work with just no no that is grounds for a firing. That is gross misconduct. That goes against our rules, whatever it may be. That just has to be something that you write in the contract because I feel like these sort of instances always seem to happen because people get comfortable. They feel, they misread signals. They share space with people. They assume proximity means affection. Like all these weird blurred lines happening. You add drugs into the mix, alcohol into it. People get crazy and these things happen all the time and unfortunately, the industry isn't there to help you because they promote people who they know categorically have done some sketch stuff in the past, but because they generate clicks, because they're popular, or because the label pays them, they put them up on a pedestal, which then leaves people, again in small villages in Scotland, to look at the internet, think this person's a, a big wig and is gonna do something for their career and then move flipping however hundred miles away is to kind of pursue a career in something like dance music when you just do it from the comfort of your own home. So it's a weird cyclical thing. Everyone is kinda to blame in a weird way. But the the apology from this guy is obviously terrible there's some red flags there in terms of what he's basically saying and not saying and emphasizing and whatnot but you know I just would have wished he would have stepped back away from the label a little bit to protect the artist on the label and it would have been nice if he would have been a little bit more sensitive to what this girl actually had to say about the issue and how she interpreted the interaction but you know these guys are not in the business of uh understanding and stuff it's all a little bit you know, especially the, at the higher echelons of dance music, it's all a bit take, 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 you know what I mean? There's a lot of entitlement around there, There's a lot of ownership and mm-hmm. So it's no surprise that these guys are really handy and like I gave you this, I gave you a mix series, I gave you that, I took you to a festival, I gave you your gigs. And it suddenly feels like it gives them a justification to do what they want with your body and whatnot. It's just a bizarre, bizarre, bizarre world, really, really is. But the more you get closer to the more it hurts, especially like, it's the same with fashion like as much as I'm a fan of it and I'd love to have my own brand as much as I'd love to DJ and like, would love to do that professionally the closer you get to it the actual business side of it the horrible it, the more horrible it becomes it honestly, it honestly does but um, you know what can you do so hopefully you know fingers crossed that girls getting all the support that she needs and fingers crossed that this ends up being a topic that we don't have to talk about you know a lot more times because uh, I don't know man for me it's a bit it's a bit nasty I gotta be honest it's a little bit nasty it's a little bit nasty but yeah that is it excellent thing show episode number 605 thanks again for tuning in But a pleasure to have your company as per usual for your first time checking out the show you know what to do smash like it subscribe and all that lucky. Um, if you listen via the audio podcast you obviously hear the, my tune of the day if you're watching via video you won't hear any of that it'll just end and go to black but I've enjoyed your company regardless peace peace <laughs>